Well, good morning and welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. I guess some of you probably brought a raft in. I tell you, that rain is absolutely beautiful, isn't it? Amen. We need the uh, soaking and that's what it's done. Just such a blessing. And so we are thankful, thankful for the rain. And we're thankful that you're here today. If this is the first time that you have been here, we'd love for you to take the guest card in the pew in front of you and fill it out and drop it in one of the offering boxes as you exit today. We would certainly appreciate that so we could acknowledge your being with us. And we do appreciate the time that we have set aside to focus our attention specifically on worshiping God. So I wonder if you might join me in a time of prayer and we'll continue to lift our voices to his praise. Father, thank you for the opportunity and the time that you've given us to come to enjoy this time of fellowship, this time of worship, this time of lifting our voices and, Father, striving to do all that we can to focus on you, and we know that can take place. We depend upon the power of your Spirit. We ask you to speak to us mightily and in a bold way and help us today to experience you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. to turn off your phone we are continuing to get emergency alerts and it might be helpful if you would silence your phone as we continue singing it is a cry of my heart to follow you Teach me a holy 
morning, y'all. Look like the rain is uh, most time not to be here this morning. So I'm going to stand in the gap for time this morning. So will you pray with me? Our Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your love and your kindness for us. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have that we could come and worship you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the ones who are here, that they may receive a blessing from your word. Yes, you, Lord, to be with our pastor and we thank the word. Lord, be with our music, be with our orchestra, our piano players. We have everybody's got a point in this service that we ask you to bless them. So, Father, as we go through this day, we thank you for the rain. We thank you for your blessing. Lead and guide and direct us in everything we say and do that we give up for you. We love you, Lord, and I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's entitled, Excuse Me, Are You Jesus? I hope that you will allow it to speak to you this morning. <coughs> Reflecting on the impact that we each have on those around us. Excuse me, are you Jesus? I was racing through the airport to make an early flight. I wanted to get home to see my children and my wife. I rushed around the corner, an apple stand was there. Until I knocked it over, the fruit went everywhere. At first I kept on going, I just couldn't miss that plane. Not stopping to explain The girl was down there on her knees Groping round to find The apple scattered on the floor And then I saw The girl was blind As the plane was leaving I stopped to lend a hand I picked up all the apples Restored the apple stand To replace the bruise and broken In her fingers pressed some bibs As I hugged her narrow shoulders She reached to hold me still And said, excuse me, are you Jesus? Is that why you were so kind? Excuse me, are you Jesus, to have had me on your mind? You picked up all the pieces, the bruised and broken parts. You put me back in business. You were Jesus. Jesus to my heart 
have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Ezekiel 22, or you can look on the screen. Our focus right now is just one particular verse, with numerous other verses to come thereafter. In verse 30, Ezekiel 22, the scripture says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. Join me in prayer, please. Father, thank you for the time that we have had this morning singing songs that uh, are meaningful, reflective. Father, uh, as we strive to be disciples of yours and striving to be even more and more obedient and sensitive to the desire of your heart to please you. Help us to become even more concerned about those who are without you. Because the closer we walk with you, the more we hear your heartbeat your passion, your longing for those who are separated from you to come back into fellowship with you. And I pray, God, that we would take on that heartbeat and that we would take on the challenge of doing what it takes in building relationships to share our faith in you with others. Allow your spirit to speak to us, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As children, we probably, maybe most of you, remember Hans Brick, or the, uh, the story of the little Dutch boy walking along the dam, seeing the little trickle of water coming from the dam, realizing uh, from his understanding that that little trickle could bust the dam in the middle of the night and destroy his community. And as the story goes, he stuck his finger in the dam. And through the night, cold and weary, he kept his finger stuck in the dam until daylight when he could call for help and help could arrive. The idea was that he understood the consequences of what would happen if the dam broke. He was taught well to have an understanding that life is of great value and importance and to do whatever you can to preserve the value of that life. And I think there are lessons for us as well. There are lessons for us to understand that life is valued by God. He wants us to live, every single human being. And he wants us to live in relationship with him. But there are so many that are not. In fact, every one of us, at one point or another in our lives, we realize our lostness, those who have received Christ. And there came a point in our life when we accepted Christ. We asked him to come into our life and to eradicate our sins, to take them away, and to give us life everlasting with a desire to serve him from this point on and sharing that good news with others. And so we've been taught 
Most of us who have that relationship have an understanding of the value of life and life everlasting, which is why Christ came. And so here in this passage in Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, we see that judgment is pictured as being hedged out. People are passing through the gaps. They're going out into eternity without having given their life to Christ. They may have had opportunities there may have been those who had shared the gospel and they just chose not to but there may have been missed opportunities on our behalf that we just failed to make that connection this is shown that God needs someone to stand in the gap to keep them from crossing the hedge into judgment before God here we find in this one verse that God sought for one person who would be willing to be used. Those kinds of people throughout the Old Testament we find, even the New Testament, he, he found a person like Noah who was willing to say, okay, I'm going to hear what you say and I'm going to go build that ark. He found Moses. Despite objections and excuses, he's the one who led the people of Israel and tried to save them. He found that person in Deborah, a wonderful judge in Israel. In Daniel, who was willing to face so many obstacles, but he was focused upon being obedient to God regardless of the cost. And here, Ezekiel, God is using Ezekiel in a powerful way. You see, God is looking for someone to take the lead and to stand in the gap, kind of fill that hole in the wall so that individuals will not pass through the gap. And, as he said, so that he would not have to judge the land. So God's looking for that one person to stem the tide of immorality, to stand before him in the gap. I think here we find that the analogy of a breach or a hole in the wall was chosen because it is an obvious overtone of the coming judgment of God upon Israel. The impending fall of Jerusalem. And God was saying, I'm looking for someone who would stand there in the gap in the wall to keep the enemy from coming and destroying Jerusalem. I'm searching for that one who would stem the tide of immorality so that I would not have to bring judgment upon the city. The Hebrew word refers to a, a breach in the wall that was usually the result of a battering ram. When a city's under siege, they use those battering ramps to break through the fortress wall. Ezekiel's call was for someone willing to erect a wall. And I think the use of this word was especially important and used for wall protection to keep the enemy out. But the outcome was what, was what God did not want. In verse 31, he said, there was no one who would respond to the plea. He said, God was going to have to now pour out his wrath and consume his fiery anger, which he did. God does not say things that he will not move forward with. He doesn't try to scare us into something. He's just stating a pure fact that he's a righteous God. He will not put up with, with immorality. He will not put up with sin. It will continue to build until his judgment comes. And he's saying the only way for that to be averted 
is for someone to stand in the gap. As we look back in our day to Christ, it is Christ who stood in that gap for each and every one of us who would choose to embrace Christ. In this passage in the Old Testament, he said, listen, I need you. There are people every day. Statistics show that somewhere in the range of about 200,000 people every single day go out into eternity in this world without God and without any hope. They're just passing through the gaps. We need to stand in those gaps, do everything we can to share, to communicate Christ. There's so many different ways to accomplish that. But he wants us to do it. You see, God's plan for reaching the lost is still the same today as it was in the people of, uh, in, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. He uses godly men and women to stand in the breaches who stand for morality and spirituality to make a difference in calling both the nation and individuals back to him in the realm of repentance, faith, righteousness, and a commitment to God through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The message is that God needs people to stand in the gap because people are lost and the judgment is coming. And thus far, so many Christians have not done that. Otherwise, we would see a changing tide in our nation and the world. But we need to. It's our decision individually, and as a body of Christ, it's our responsibility to say, yes, we're going to stand in the gap. We're going to do all that we can to communicate Christ. Three things I want to pull out of this passage that I think is important in the realm of standing in the gap. First, filling the gap between the lost and judgment is an important task. It's not something just to fly by, not just a nice saying or, or a passage just to lift out and take as a theme. The reality is that it's important to God because, you see, God wants to save people, but He's only got one plan to do that. I've probably shared from the early Christian writings a story, a made-up story, but it tried to prove a point that when Jesus entered heaven after His ascension, the angels met with him and said, so, so what is your plan? What is your plan to communicate the good news? He said, I, I left a few followers to accomplish that. And they said, what, what if they fail? What's plan B? And he said, there is no plan B. It is up to us. You see, we're God's only plan for saving, communicating the saving message of Jesus Christ. It's a heavy responsibility, but I will tell you also, it is a wonderful privilege to be able to do that. Don't you love just telling somebody good news rather than bad news? <laughs> Don't you like to, to go to people and say, hey, let me, let me share something really good with you, rather than somebody coming and saying, boy, i got some bad news I need to share with you. I'd rather have the good news myself. We have the good news. I remember my mom used to say when I was a kid, and I used to, you know how teenagers are, roll your eyes, and you probably never did that. My mom used to say, Kirby, we're just one generation away from atheism. And I thought, there's no way. And I look today, and I find that the demographic in America that is the fastest growing dem demographic is the nons, the non-religious. And I look back and think back to what she said, and she is right. 
You see, it's so important to God that he sent his only son. That's how important filling the gap is. It's important to God. Secondly, we find it's important to the lost because they can't understand salvation and the things of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 talks about them being spiritually dead. Paul said, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Sometimes we try to force our Christian understanding of scripture and values to a world that is lost and we wonder why they just shake their heads because they don't understand it. Because they don't have the Spirit of God living inside of them. Doesn't mean that we stop, it means that we continue to pray and build relationships and share the gospel and let God's Spirit touch their heart and work on them. The scripture says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, how can they hear unless someone goes? The command is for us to go. And not just the preachers, but all of us. Jesus told the entirety of the disciples, go and make disciples. Go and share the good news. And then disciple them, teach them. At Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, when, when the Spirit of God came down, when Peter preached, the people who were lost, they came and said, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? God's Spirit so touched their heart. They wanted to understand. They wanted to know. They couldn't understand. They said, what can we do? And Peter laid it out for them. Trust in Christ and be baptized. There are two great biblical examples of how important standing in the gap is. Go to Exodus chapter 32 and you'll find Moses in the Old Testament when the people of Israel had sinned against God en route to, to the promised land. And God said, that's it, I'm going to destroy my people. And you remember Moses interceded for the people. He said to God, basically, blot me out of your book and spare your people. If you really think about that, he's saying, take me out of your book of life. I am so compassionate about my people. I want them to live and to hear. You know what kind of passion that takes? You know what type of commitment that takes for Moses to say, I will move out of a relationship with you, but please spare your people. The second instance is in Romans chapter 9 and verse 3. The Apostle Paul, in referring to the people of Israel in his day, said, Remove my name, but do not abandon your people. In the same understanding of what Moses did, he said, Just take my name out, but save your people Israel. That's how compassionate, that's how committed he was. It would sure take a lot for me to say, God, I tell you what, I'm, I'm okay to be separated from you for all in eternity if you will just save your people. On both occasions, God held his wrath because of his servants cared enough to stand in the gap. 
And that's how important it is to the lost. So, so filling the gap is important to God, it's important to the lost, and third, it's important to us. It brings personal excitement and happiness in our lives. The best way that I, I can be obedient to God is to lose sight of my own problems and to follow the commands of Jesus and just lose myself in helping other people. Helping other people in their needs, helping them solve their difficulties, their problems, touching them, encouraging them, inspiring them with God's love. And I think the greatest is seeing them spiritually transformed. There's nothing like personally leading someone to Christ. Now, it's the Spirit of God who does the work, but there's something about me sharing my story with someone and, and them understanding and saying, that's what I want. It also brings personal strength. When my mind is focused on others, I, I have no room for thoughts or actions that's going to hinder me in striving to do what God wants me to do. I think that's what the Bible was talking about in Proverbs 23, 7, when he says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. He talks about, you know, moving away from the concentration of what we're going through and the problems that we have and the difficulties that we have and taking control of our mind and saying, God, I want my mind to be on your things, your purposes. And all of a sudden, it brings strength for me to stand strong and to accomplish the things that God has called me to do and gifted me to accomplish. So filling the gap between the lost and judgment, it's important to God, it's important to the lost, and it's important to us. Secondly, we find that filling the gap is hard work, but it's not unpleasant. It's true, I promise you, that the devil is going to throw every single thing he can at us. You know, as long as we're just idle, we're just kind of floating along in our Christian faith, we're doing the right things, we're doing our daily devotions, we come to church, we, we do all the things that Christians are supposed to do, but we're not really creating waves for the devil. He's not going to bother us. But I promise you that when we become busy for the kingdom of God, we become very focused on the passion of Jesus and sharing his good news, I promise you that he's going to become busy as well. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired you. In other words, Satan's coming after you. Again, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it's Peter now writing, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Satan is roaming around. If you think you passed that, you better look behind you. <laughs> He's on his way. He's going to be whispering in your ear. He's going to try to create this confusion in your mind, and he's going to try to speak to you in ways that make you doubt some things. Or maybe doubt yourself. But you've got to stand firm. That's why... Jesus was telling Peter that, be cautious. Let me tell you, the task is what we make out of it, the task that he's given us and gifted us to accomplish. It can be drudgery, okay? Even as a Christian, when God has given us a task, we can say, man, I just, I just don't want to do this. <coughs> I, just, I just don't think I can do it. 
I don't think I have the ability to do it. It can be drudgery. In my mind, every time I think about the word drudgery, I think about, uh, I think about uh, um, the, um, uh, those who were captive, the Israelites in slavery, who had taskmasters over them. And they had to, to do everything at the same time by the same beat of the drum or the same beat of the whip. That would be drudgery. But you see, I look at it a little differently. But it does happen. In Psalm 137, verses 3 and 4, it tells us of when the Israelites went into captivity. And in Babylon, they took their harps and they put their harps on the willow trees on the Tigris River. And when the, the, the Babylonians asked them to sing because they knew of their beautiful music, they said, how can we sing when we're captive? They could have been singing songs to the Lord. But in their midst of their own depression, it became drudgery being the people of God. Their problem was that they had deserted God. That's why they were in captivity. They had allowed their circumstances to dictate how they would respond to God rather than allowing God to lead them to overcome their circumstances and glorify and honor Him. So it can be drudgery, striving to live the Christian life and striving to get close to the Lord, and all of these things begin to happen because Satan is going to do all he can against us. But let me tell you, it can be a thrilling pilgrimage. I think about the apostles. The apostles through Christian history as we understand where they went to communicate the gospel in their, in their years and some of that comes from tradition many of them were martyred as they communicated the gospel of Christ but they planted seeds and built churches and the Christendom began to expand because of their faithfulness for them think about that that no matter what obstacle might be there we need to do all that we can with the task that he's given us and the task is to communicate the good news third we find filling the gap is a rewarding experience we're going to be rewarded in gratitude doesn't it thrill you for someone to express gratitude for something that you've done for them don't you if somebody's done something, don't you like to say, man, that is such a wonderful thing. I've got, to, I've got to say something to them. I've got to write them a note. I've got to do something to say thank you. But see, it warms your heart. It's a blessing. And you're rewarded by that gratitude. I remember even 42 years later, a girl by the name of Donna, who was in the youth group, as I was a summer missionary in Vermont, and on July 1st, 1979, I was able to lead her to Christ, and she thanked me. And years later, she continued to thank me. Why? Because it changed her life. You know, it's... A thrilling time for time to time to get cards or letters or emails or things like that just to say thank you for your investment I've had those over the years back uh, a couple of la last couple of weeks some nice emails from folks here just saying thank you for what you've done and what you continue to do you know just 
We know everything's not perfect in the world. And we know that, uh, that we don't do everything perfect, but to hear people say, you know, we, I, we appreciate the message. We appreciate the touch. Every one of you have received those or have a verbal. It thrills you. It rewards you because you've did everything you can to try to accomplish what God wanted you to do. One of my wonderful mentors died in September of 2020, Chief Lawson. I think I shared a little bit about that at the time. I'll never forget on his 75th birthday, I wasn't able to be there, but I was able to write a letter and send it to them for them to read at that celebration that, that they had. And uh, when I talked to him on the phone, he was just so emotional because I shared with him all the impact that he had in my life from age 15 to that time frame. You see, when we invest in others, we want to express our gratitude to them. He died in September. I wasn't able to go, because, obviously, because of COVID. But we were able to record an interview or things that I said and send it to the service. And I was able to watch it online. But again, the family said, thank you. But see, it was my blessing because he invested completely in my life no one ever forgets the things that people do for them that encourage them and help them in times of need at the same time no one ever forgets the one who introduced them to Jesus John Aslan wasn't much of a preacher but my father remembered him best of all why because it was John Aslan over in the Pie Town area who was a circuit riding preacher that led my father to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and in 1964 my father led me to Jesus Christ in turn as the years went by and our kids began to grow Debbie and I invested and shared the gospel and both of our girls accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior my my question is what if John Aslan had not shared with my father when he was 14 years old We don't forget those who lead us to Christ. It changes our life. And so we want to be the ones that are never forgotten. Not because of us, but because we've shared the gospel and it changed eternally somebody's life. Forever grateful. We will also be rewarded at the end of time. Now, you know, for some of us that doesn't mean a whole lot because we really can't see life after life. Last week we talked about heaven. We tried to, tried to describe uh, how the scripture was going to uh, uh, present it as best we could in a, in a short time frame. But let me tell you, the hereafter, while it's not really real, tangible to us, it's most important of all. The scripture says in Matthew 6 and verse 20, work for the reward that the moth won't destroy and the rust won't will not corrode many times we work for the things here but the scripture the Lord tells us listen think beyond here think what you can do in communicating the good news and sharing it with people so that they themselves will have life everlasting that reward in heaven is 
better by far. I wish I could describe what it's going to be like. I just can only describe how the, the, the Scripture identifies it. But it's going to be, be way beyond that. Because my feeble, finite mind can't grasp the infinite. But I am thankful that God has given us a little bit to understand that the reward in heaven is going to be greatest of all. Because we're going to be with Him. And we're going to be about His business. And we want as many people as possible to go with us. And it's our responsibility to share with them. The gap is there to be filled. You're needed, every one of you. You might be asking, well, how can I fill the gap today? And let me tell you, there are many ways, but let me share just two very practical ways that you can be engaged and involved in filling the gap. First, there's a commitment to say, I am going to share the gospel. I'm going to, I'm going to share the good news with people. And so there are steps to do that. If you don't already know them or you haven't engaged in them, first you've got to prepare yourself. You, got, you, you should go through some training about how to use the scripture or your own personal testimony to share the good news when the opportunity arises to help somebody you know logically go through the scriptures and say oh I understand secondly you need to build relationships with people so that you basically earn the right to share the gospel of Christ you're able to walk with them and they have confidence in you and your friendship and you do all that you can then to share the gospel there are those opportunities that we just meet a stranger and share the gospel I've done that many times sometimes they accept Christ a lot of times they don't but the seed is planted and then you need to pray for the opportunities and pray that God would use you pray for the individuals and then you need to be proactive in sharing your faith I mean proactive meaning look for the opportunities sometimes we can look out into the valley of dry bones and we see nothing but sometimes if we ask God, show me the opportunities, he takes off the blinders and all of a sudden we see the valley of dry bones. We see the lost and we see the opportunities when they head our direction and we say, this is the time for me to share the gospel. Rather than talking about the rain, rather than talk about the weather, the ball game, whatever, this is the time for me to share the gospel. Be sensitive to God to do that the right time and so that's one thing prepare yourself be ready in season and out of season to share the good news of Christ a second way to fill the gap is to use your spiritual gifts your skills and your abilities that God has given you to accomplish the mission to which he has called you and us as a church as we launch out into vision 2025 God is going to be giving you and allowing you to use your gifts and abilities. Spiritual gifts that he gave you when you gave your life to Christ as the Spirit of God came to live inside of you. And gifts uh, and abilities and skills that you have fine-tuned through your life to use those together to accomplish the things that God wants done through his body here in this community, in this region. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not quite sure what those are. I haven't quite identified them. And I would encourage you, we, we have resources and tools that will help you. And personally, our staff, myself, we will sit down with you and help you step by step if you would like. We have the spiritual gifts uh, questionnaire that will help you determine maybe where your spiritual gift or gifts are. 
We have the passion survey that helps you to, as you write through and think through some questions, to really look at what is my, the passion in my heart that, man, I, I will do this when I don't do anything else. And we can then fine-tune that to help in God's kingdom. And then we have the ministry opportunities questionnaires, with basically just saying what opportunities we have available and what opportunities do you say, oh, you know what, I feel comfortable doing this. I have a passion to do this. And through that, you'll be able to understand how you can use your spiritual gifts and your abilities and your skills to be about the ministry that God has called this church and you. Filling the gap. God said to Ezekiel, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it. The opportunity is before us. For the Israelites, there were four more words. But I found none. For us, it, the verdict is still out because we have the opportunity. Are you willing to move out of your comfort zone and stand in the gap to accomplish what God desires in your life and in this community, this region for service? Do, do you want to say yes? You know, Pastor, I, I really want to do these things. And I want to take an action step to commit to do these things. For your own benefit, for the benefit of those in this community, for the benefit of those within the body. Today's the day to do that. So the invitation this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, publicly declared him, I would encourage you in our invitation to slip across the pew and down the aisle. I'll be here at the front, and I'd ask you to come and make those decisions public. For the believers who are here, I would, I would encourage you to say, you know what, I do want to stand in the gap. I do want to engage in ministry because... Quite frankly, we're supposed to be involved in service for God's kingdom, not standing on the sidelines. And so we need to fill the gap. And so what I would encourage you, where you're sitting right now during this invitation, to pray to God and say, God, use me. Fill my heart. Help me know your passion and help your passion to become my passion. I'm ready for duty to share the gospel to use my giftedness but to use it for you and your glory would you do that this morning if you'd like to join this congregation be a part of this body moving out into the community to accomplish the very heart of God the passion of God I encourage you to come and join Father in this invitation we give you the honor and glory we ask you to speak to us through your spirit each and every one of us and for us to make the decisions that you desire. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand in our invitation.
going to ask you to bow your heads if you would, and Ruth's going to continue to play. You've sang some beautiful words to this song, and I want that to be your commitment. I give all my service to you. I give all of my family to you. I give all of my future to you. No matter the cost or what others do, I give all to you. You and God just speak together for right now. Let him speak to you, but more importantly, you speak to him to say, yes, these words are my commitment. go ahead and be seated for just a moment. Thank you so much for being here today, weathering the storm, the rain. Now you know what it was like in Seattle for 10 and a half years, probably San Francisco area. <laughs> Portland, I think we were talking about. Uh, but uh, do that for eight and a half, nine months, and then we, we have that. That's why we're here in Arizona. We love the sun. But we need the rain, and it always reminds me of the Spirit of God coming like a rainstorm and cleansing our hearts. So thank you for being here today. Nancy has some things to say, I think. On Wednesday at 4 o'clock here in the sanctuary, we will be having our quarterly church conference. Today when you leave, if you haven't already picked up one, there are packets on the table in the main lobby as well as in the breezeway with all of the agenda materials for you to review and be prepared when you come at 4 o'clock to vote on some very important issues. How many of you noticed the sign out front? Yes. yes, isn't it beautiful? That is one of the issues that will be discussed and voted upon at the Wednesday conference. So I pray that you will take a packet and come prepared, spend some time reviewing before Wednesday evening. Dana Groschel is going to lead us in our closing prayer. Yes. says there's a lot of water coming in through the main entrance so be extremely careful if you go out that way you can certainly maybe you're parked out there and you need to access that way but you can go through the breezeway if you need to but if you need to go through the main lobby please be careful